you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. Let's pray, and we're going to dive into the Word here today. Thank you for today, and uh, thank you for all of us that are able to get together here today and even online. Just thank you for this moment, and I pray that this moment would not be just an ordinary moment, but Lord, I pray that it would be an extraordinary moment. As we open up your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'd stir faith inside of us. Lord, again, I'm praying for a greater hunger for you and for the things of you in our life. Lord, some of us, we're not hungry for you, Lord. We're hungry for so many other things in our life. And so, God, I ask that you'd forgive us. Forgive me. And God, more than anything else, I want to seek you first. I want to seek your kingdom first. I want to put you first in my life. I want to hunger and thirst after you. So Lord, would you stir that up in all of our lives, stir it up in our church. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. So we're going to talk about hunger again, hunger part two. And I just felt very strongly we needed to camp on this just for another week so that it doesn't become one of those messages that... It was like, okay, well, that was good. That was a good reminder. I needed that. But then after a couple of days, we just kind of get back into our same old, same old routines. You know what I'm saying? It's easy for us to do. And so let's camp here for a little bit longer because it's imperative that we start here. If we don't have a deep desire for God, then we're not going to experience all that he has for us. And we're going to miss out on a lot that he has for us. We might... Still make it to heaven, praise God, experience eternity with him. That is awesome. But we could miss out on some amazing things that he has for us in this life. And so I'm just pausing again here today and saying this is so important for us. Let's start here and let's pray that we are people who are hungry for more of God, passionate about Jesus and his presence in our life more than anything else. That's my prayer for you and for all of us in this church. So we talked about what we feed on is what we hunger for. We'll talk about that again today. What we feed on is what we hunger for. So we got to make sure that we are honest in our assessment of what have I been feeding myself? What table have I been sitting at and feeding myself? Because whatever that is, is what I want more of. And if I've lost my hunger and passion for God, then I've probably been feeding myself the wrong things. And so we got to have a little appetite assessment here in our spiritual life is what we're doing. Because what we feed on is what we hunger for. Anybody ever see the old documentary, Supersize Me? Who's seen that? Anybody? Okay, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I like to describe it as interesting and disgusting all at the same time. <laughs> but it is kind of fascinating. If you watch, this guy decides, I'm going to eat McDonald's for every meal for an entire month. Hey, doesn't that sound like a good idea? <laughs> hey, okay, am I the only one that's ever thought, like, why didn't I think of that? I'd have done that and made lots of money on a documentary. And all. that'd have been... I, I'd have definitely, I, I, and I don't ever eat McDonald's. But hey, I, I, sh- I should have had that idea. Anybody ever think ideas like that when you watch things? like Anybody could do that and just kind of film me. And so he did it, and a brilliant idea. Had his doctor help him, which in the end was good because he needed his doctor to help him in the end. But his doctor was just kind of monitoring his health to see if and how the McDonald's food would affect him as he ate it every meal every day for an entire month. Shockingly, the McDonald's food did have negative effects on him. Now, but here's what's interesting. 
After several days of him eating McDonald's for every meal, he found himself just an hour after one of his meals hungry, which that part's not surprising because when you eat fast food, it just goes through you fast. That's why they call it fast food, right? It goes fast. And then like within an hour, you're hungry again, right? That's why it's called fast food. So an hour later, he's hungry. And what he said is, this is weird, but he's like, what I'm hungry for is more McDonald's food. Which you and I would guess the total opposite, right? Like after several days of McDonald's for every meal, you'd probably be disgusted of it and want nothing to do with McDonald's. He says, I actually want more McDonald's right now. I'm not going there for a couple more hours. It's that principle of what we feed on is what we hunger for. It's true for our, spirit, our physical life. It's also true for our spiritual life. And we've got to be careful what we are feeding ourselves. So Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled you got to understand that Jesus wants to fill you. He wants you to experience the fullness of all that he has for you. But it starts with you and I ha- wanting that, wanting him, wanting all that he has for us. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus promises if you and I start in that place, if we have this posture of humility and hunger, then he promises, I will fill you. Anybody want to be filled? more of God in their life than I do. Uh, Another translation says, you will be satisfied. Jesus satisfies. I love this psalm. The psalmist wrote this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I just love the hunger, the passion, the genuine desire behind those words, don't you? And I pray that that would be us. We would have that same prayer. I, I, when can I go? I can't wait to go and be with you and meet with you, God. I look forward to it. I can't wait to get home tonight because I just want to spend time in your presence. I want to just open up your word, God, and, and, and read your word. I want to be with you, spend time with you. I can't wait for that time. I'm looking forward to it so much. I can't wait for Sunday morning. I look forward to being with your people. God, I look forward to worshiping you with your people. I I can't wait for that. I pray that we'd have that same mindset and that same hunger as this psalmist. I can't wait for the prayer meeting. I just love to be in your presence, God. I look forward to that. And I pray that we'd have a hunger and a thirst for God and for his word and for his presence in our life. What we feed on is what we hunger for. So let's feed our faith, not our flesh. Let's feed ourselves spiritually. There's this old show that was called You Are What You Eat. It's like 15 years old. It was a UK television show on the BBC. I remember watching a couple, thing, a couple episodes of it because it just kind of intrigued me. And, and you probably have heard that phrase before, right? You are what you eat. So be careful what you eat. And so obviously that was the whole premise of her show there. And her name was Gillian, the, the host of that. And she would go and help people who had extremely unhealthy diets she would help them change their diet so they could feel better and function better in life. And so it was always fascinating just to watch how she did it and what diets people lived on. You know, it's pretty safe to say that if you and I ate potato chips and candy bars and pop for every meal, we're going to feel the effects of that. Because you are what you eat. If you ate McDonald's every meal, you're going to feel the effects of that. The dude that did the documentary certainly did. So it's true. You and I, we are what we eat. So we got to make sure that we're feeding ourselves the right thing, not just physically, because that is important. 
but spiritually, emotionally, that we're feeding ourselves consistently. We don't want to just feed ourselves as we show up on a Sunday morning. We can't live on that diet. We need it every day. We need to sit and be in God's presence, read his word. We need to hear from him, receive from him, be with him every single day of our life. And that's got to be a constant, a constant feeding that we're, we're doing every single day. We need him. Because what we eat determines our future. And so we've got to make sure that we're eating of his word. We're receiving our word. We're feeding ourselves from God spiritually every single day. Because what you eat determines your future. What you eat determines your life. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more fully. And I would love for you, if you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go to Genesis 3 and look at a story. About a guy named Adam and a lady named Eve. You ever heard of them? Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 2 tells us there were two trees in the middle of the garden. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Okay, we have exact replicas of those two trees right here with us this morning. So in chapter 3, this is where Satan comes in and he tempts Eve and Adam to eat from the one tree that God says, stay away from this tree. Now, if you're part of the Freedom Course, you know we've actually... Talked about this this last Sunday night, and we um, studied it all week long. And so I'm not going to go as deep as we've been going in the Freedom Course, but I will say this. It's still not too late to join us for the Freedom Course. If you want to join us, come on out. It's, it's really good, wonderful teaching that are going to help you and I find our identity grounded and rooted in Christ and experience the freedom that he has for us. I promise you, you will enjoy it. It'll be, it will be worthwhile. So I won't go into depth into all of that kind of stuff, but I'm just going to share a couple things as it relates to what we're looking at here uh, today. But feel free to join us if you didn't join us last week. This is week two, and we can get you all caught up. We do it in person here in the sanctuary, 6 o'clock tonight, and online. You can join us online, just like you join us on online church. Join us online. Either way, you're welcome to, to do it. It's not too late. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read a few verses here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Stop right there. It's amazing as you see Satan enter the scene here, enter the story where God has created life in his perfection. Adam and Eve walked in perfect relationship and communion with God. They experienced life as it was intended to be. Satan comes in and tempts. They give in to that temptation and that, that communion, that relationship is now broken because of sin. And the curse enters our world. The significance of the curse is that it has affected everything. It's affected you and me. It's affected the world. It's affected the planet Earth. 
We have never lived without the curse. Someday we will experience life without the curse in heaven. And the significance of that is when the curse is lifted, all the, the pain, the sin, death, disease, all that stuff is gone. But all came with the curse because of Adam and Eve's decision. So what's interesting, though, is Satan enters the story here, and he does something that he still does today. Like in all these thousands of years, Satan hasn't changed his tactics. He wants you and I to question God. He wants you and I to doubt God. He wants us to not trust God. Did God really say that? Are you sure? No, no. Maybe he meant this, and it causes us to rethink, to question, to doubt. I'm not trusting. Maybe God doesn't want you to really be like him. He's, he's holding out on you. You are missing out. That's what God's doing, and it's a lack of trust. It's amazing how Satan comes in and he twists. He perverts God's truth. Satan loves to pervert. Loves to twist. And God alone creates. Satan cannot create. But what he'll do is he'll enter into what God has created, and he'll try to pervert it, to try to mess it up. So God created marriage. He created family. Satan wants to come in and pervert that. God created sex. Good, amazing. Satan wants to come in and is perverting that. To pervert, by the way, it means this. It means turning away from what is true and morally right. That's what pervert means, turning away from what is true and morally right. It's also a twisting of meaning and of the truth. God created the church. Satan wants to come in and pervert the church. God created you, and Satan wants to come and attack you and pervert you and get you to believe his lies. Here's the crazy thing, is that Satan comes in, he twists the truth. Okay, God is truth. He's the author of truth. Satan has no truth. He speaks lies. It's his native language is what the, uh, the word of God tells us. And so he'll come and take a half truth, twist it to make it a lie. And he did it in the beginning. He still does it today. And that, my friends, is a big problem. But here's the bigger problem. You and I believe it. And we give in, just like Adam and Eve. And we say yes to the perverted truth, which is a lie. And this is how he does it. He does it by playing to our desires. You notice this? It's never with something you would never want. It's what you do want. He plays to our desires. Eve saw that the fruit was desirable. It was pleasing to the eye. It was good. It was good to eat. Wow. Yes, you are right. Serpent, I do want this. He plays to our desires, and he still does the same thing today. And what's interesting is the future of Adam and Eve's life and the future of every person that has existed since them was all impacted by what they ate. We're going to be careful what we're feeding ourselves. Because what we feed on is what we hunger for. So let's talk about these two trees. What's the significance of these two trees? We're going deep into that in our study in the Freedom Course. This is just a, a, a quick little flyover. But these two trees represent a, a couple of things. Okay? Duty versus delight. The tree of good and evil is all about duty. But the tree of life is all about delight. There's a big difference between living out of duty and living out of delight. Wouldn't you agree? But it's easy for us to fall into the trap of it's all about duty. I got to do this. In fact, a lot of people think Christianity is all about don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Okay, it's, all, it's all, 
you know, you got to do your duty as a Christian and do the right thing. And if you don't, you better clean up your act, especially before you come back to church. Clean up your act, and then, then you can come back to church. You know, think we, we fall into misconceptions and misbeliefs, lies like that. It's easy for us to do. God doesn't want you and I to live out of duty. He wants you and I to live out of delight. When you and I live out of delight, that's when we can experience life. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so if you and I will focus on just learning, growing on delighting in God, enjoying him, resting in him, relaxing in him, that's where you and I can find life. This brings religiosity. This brings lots of legalism. We don't want to live out of duty. We want to live out of delight. There's a big difference, right? These two trees also represent the difference between relationships and rules. So as you can guess, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is all about rules. It's about following rules. You got to do these things, follow the rules. But the tree of life is all about relationship. Now, again, it's easy for us to lean into this, right? Because here's what can happen. Okay, I start participating in the 21-day fast, and I feel good because I'm doing a good Christian thing. And we feel good about the fast because we did a good deed, a good work. We're following the Christian rules, therefore I feel good about my Christianity. But we don't want to get caught up into that trap. I want to fast so that I can lean into my relationship with Jesus. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. So when Adam and Eve ate of this tree here, it brought about sin, it brought about the curse, but then God had to bring the law into place, okay? So that relationship was broken. They experienced true life, true communion, true relationship with God. It's broken, so God brings in the law. And in order to be in relationship, God's people have to follow the law, do all the sacrifices to get the forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. But God knew all along, this is not the perfect system, this is not the right way, but we chose rebellion. We brought this on ourselves, And so for generations, people did their best. The people of God tried to follow the rules and the law. And what they all learned was none of us can do that perfectly, right? None of us can. We cannot follow all the rules. And then Jesus came on the scene and he actually did it. He followed all the rules. He lived up to the law. He actually broke some of the traditional man-made rules laws and rules. They had hundreds by the time Jesus showed up on the scene. And so they thought he was anti-law and anti-prophets. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to be the fulfillment of the law so that you and I do not have to rely on the law and doing good things in order to have relationship and forgiveness with God. I will fulfill all of this. And if you accept what I've done for, for you, receive my forgiveness, step into relationship with me, you can come back into enjoy life again and not live out of rules, but experience the relationship that I have with you because I took care of this. So don't go there anymore. Don't eat of this tree. Don't live there. Don't feel good about your Christianity because you're doing good things and following all the rules. Lean into your relationship with Jesus and focus on that. It's really about loving him and just growing and falling in love with Jesus. That's really the goal, guys. Falling in love with him more and more and more with each passing day and week and year in our life. That's the goal. And how do I do that? Just simply pause and think about this. Think about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. 
And the more you think about that, the more you meditate on that, the more you're just going to want to worship, love him, and lean into that relationship. Because you're just like, wow, God, you are so amazing. Jesus, you did all that for me. I just can't even fathom that. And that's how you grow more and more in love with Jesus. That's the goal. You see, when we're tempted to sin, it's really not a test of self-control. It's more of a test of relationship. Am I going to step away from this relationship or am I going to lean into this relationship? And so as I'm facing temptation, I want to view it out of relationship, not out of, you know, can do and can't do stuff, but out of relationship with Jesus. Is this going to break that relationship? Is this going to hurt that relationship? Oh, Jesus, I want, to, I want to say no to that and say yes to you. I want to lean into you. It's really a relationship issue. And when that relationship with Jesus becomes the priority of our life and we continue to, to lean into that more and more and more, what we experience is life. Jesus has life for you and me. And an abundant life is what he promises. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We find life in Jesus. Now, what's interesting, here's the paradox of Christianity. This is where Jesus turned upside down, okay? Upside down kingdom values here. Jesus says, okay, you want to find life in me? Here's, how, here's what it takes. You've got to die to yourself. It's a dying to yourself so that we can find life in Jesus. In fact, one of the times that's recorded is in Mark 8. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so this is the life that you and I want to live. We're laying down ourselves. We're dying to ourselves so that we can find life in Jesus. It's amazing how this happens. But Jesus is so true when he says, hey, you die to yourself and live for me, I promise I have life for you. And we want to lean into that and enjoy that relationship that we have with Jesus. I love this prayer from Charles Spurgeon, great man of faith, prayer warrior from years ago. He says, I've now concentrated all my prayers into one. And that one prayer is this, that I may die to self and live wholly to him. What would your life look like if you began to really adopt that prayer? Here's all my prayers now. It's all coming down to this. I'm going to die to myself and live wholly to him. When you want to talk about all that God has for you, it starts with that prayer. I'm just going to die to myself and live wholly to him. And if we've lost the desire to do that, if we've lost that hunger, guys, then it's because we've been feeding ourselves the wrong things, right? And so my prayer is that you and I would feed on God, would feast on him and his word. Just continue to feed ourselves that so that the deepest, strongest, greatest desire of our life is more of God and more of him in our life. And what Jesus promises is this. As you experience this life and this abundant life that I have for you, then you're going to enjoy all the other things even more, actually. Because they'll have a, you'll have a better perspective on those. So it's an amazing thing that happens when you and I enjoy Jesus the most. We can enjoy the rest of life the most as well. But it starts with us dying to, uh, dying to ourselves. That's why I like that we're going into this season of fast and prayer. You know what a fast in its most general sense is? It's a denial of self. That's what a fast is. I'm going to deny myself something. 
And so again, we don't do this legalistically. We don't do this because, oh, the whole church is doing it. I might as well do it. I hope that you don't feel that, and I hope that you don't have that mindset. I want us to do it out of relationship. Like, Jesus, I'm going to let go of some stuff. I'm going to say no to some things. I'm going to create space in my life so I can lean into my relationship with you and experience this life that you have for me. That's why I want to fast, because I want to just experience all the satisfaction that you have for me, which I've been told, I've read, you've said, Jesus, you bring more satisfaction than anything else in this life. And some of us maybe haven't experienced that. So maybe now is the time to begin to experience Jesus satisfies, Jesus fulfills. And you and I don't need anything else in life, but we got Jesus. He is life. And so that's why we fast. Deny ourself. It's a, it's a death to self in certain areas so that I can lean into relationship and find life in and my prayer for you is that as you step into the season of prayer and fasting, which starts in two weeks, by the way, two weeks from today, that God would bring breakthrough into your life. Breakthrough. Breakthrough into this church as well. I love that we sang that song, Breakthrough, today. That's, oh man, such an amazing and powerful song. Breakthrough. I'm believing for that. I'm praying for that for you. And oftentimes... What happens is there's greater breakthrough as we really lean into God in seasons like a fast. You know that Jesus fasted, right? Did you know that? Okay. I'm just getting quiet, so I thought I'd wait to see if anyone answered. Jesus fasted. If he needed to fast, we probably do too. We're following his example. We're following his practice. Jesus fasted. And so let's look at one last scripture today as we bring it to a close. Joel, I'll invite you up here. Matthew chapter 4. And I looked at these few verses last week. The first two verses of Matthew chapter 4 are what I called, you know, perhaps the biggest overstatement in Scripture. If you remember, Matthew chapter 4 says, uh, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Shocking, I know. Okay, but let's continue on here. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, which would be easy for Jesus to do, by the way. How long after this, he's going to turn water to wine? Jesus could have done this. He's tempting him. And Jesus says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that Jesus uses the power of scripture right there. That's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to know Scripture. Like it renews us, it washes us, we need the truth of God, He speaks to us, but then we can stand on the truth. We can speak it in moments like this. Oh, nuh-uh, devil, not today. Because God says this, and I'm going to stand on that truth. I'm not giving it to your lie today. Even though, remember, the devil will tempt you with something you want, you desire. It feels good, it sounds good, it looks good. Wait, wait, no, I see, I see that again. It's a, it's a lie, devil. And this is what God's word says. I love that Jesus, he brought scripture right to the forefront. He says, no, I'm standing on the word of God because that is truth. And that's where I want my foundation. I want my foundation built on a lie. I want it built on truth. And then he says those words. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Think about the significance of that. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You and I do need food. 
Food is good. Food strengthens us. It sustains us. It nourishes us. Well, most, most food nourishes us. We need food though, right? But you know what we also need? We need God to speak to us. We need his word. In fact, I would say we need that more than really we need food. As good as food is. Because if we miss out on God speaking to us, God doing a new thing to us, God giving us his word, we miss out on so much. We miss out on everything. And so here's my prayer for you. As you and I enter into the season, we go into a season of fasting, prayer, that you're going to hear from God. You're going to let go of some food maybe, and you're going you're to quote the scripture. When you're feeling hungry, when you're feeling hangry, when your body is hurting and screaming at you like we talked about last week, you can say, no, 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 man does not live on bread alone. Although it sure sounds good right now. I don't need bread alone. I don't need food. I need you, God. I need to hear from you. I want you more than I want food, more than I want anything else, God. I'm leaning into you. I'm desperate for you. I'm hungry for you. I want you to speak to me, God. I need you. I need a word from God, and I'm praying that you'll hear from God. You get a word from God. I'm praying Ephesians 1.17 over all of you that, that God would fill you with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation. I love that prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. Wisdom and revelation. God's going to fill you with the spirit of wisdom, uh, fill you with the spirit of revelation. He's going to reveal things to you in this season. He's going to speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you. Maybe through his spirit, through that still small voice, he's going to speak to you. Here's what I know about God. He wants to speak to you. He is longing to speak to you, but we got to put ourselves in a posture to receive and listen. Take out all the noise, all the lies. Say, Jesus, here I am, speak. Spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the purpose for that prayer, Paul says, is so that you may know him better. Well, don't you want to know God better? By the end of this year, as crazy as this year is, let's come out of this year saying, oh Lord, please never again, but I know you better. You know what? And, I'm, and here's the deal. At the end, if we find ourselves in this place closer to God, God doing a profound, powerful work deep inside of our hearts, here's what we always find ourselves saying. It was worth it. I'd go through that year again. Which sometimes is something we never thought we'd say. I'd go through that, that, that year again because of what you've done in my life through it, God. I'm praying that you hear from God that you meet with God, that you experience God. You're going to get a word from God. He's going to speak to you. God's going to bring breakthrough into your life. We're praying for that for ourselves individually, but also for our friends, for our unsaved friends, and for our church. Breakthrough into our church. Believe him for breakthrough. October 25th, it's a new season. It's a new day. And we're just going to embrace all that God has for us collectively as a community. And I want you to start right now by embracing all that God has for you. Just stand to your feet. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. And again, just want to confess and ask for forgiveness, Lord. Many of us, we have been longing for other things and not you because we've been feeding ourselves so many other things and not you. And Lord, we ask for your grace to come and fill us right now. Your forgiveness to do a new work in us right now. And God, would you fill us with a greater hunger and a greater desire for you. Lord, we really want to hunger and thirst after you so that you can fill us. Fill us, God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with more of your presence, more of your love, more of your power. I pray that for all of us right now. Fill us, oh God. 
with more of you as we approach you, as we come to you with this posture of humility and hunger. God, right now, we need you. Fill us. More of you. More of you. God, over these next few moments, Lord, help us just to begin to say no to things. Maybe even think about things that you want. Lord, speak to us, I would say. Things that we need to let go of, how we need to change our schedule, reorder the rhythm of our week and our days so that we can make space to just go after you and and sit at your table and feast from your word and your presence and your truth. We need you. We want to feed ourselves you, God. God, would you speak to us? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? God, we know that as we lean into that relationship with you, there's life. Well, this isn't about rules and doing good Christian duties and, and doing good things that we can tell everybody about. Like, look at me, look what I know. This is about relationship and leaning into you and being close to you because that's where the life is. And so, Lord, we pray for, I pray for life, life, that you breathe new life into us, new life. Again, I pray, Lord, for those that maybe feel dry, You're going to breathe life into those dry bones right now. You're breathing life by your spirit into dry bones. Into those that are weary, you're breathing strength and rest into them right now by your spirit, God. For those that are discouraged, you're breathing hope right now by your spirit, God. Do it right now. Right now. So that we can experience this life that you have for us. Some of you need to pray a prayer of forgiveness right now. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer before. You're saying yes to Jesus. Commit to following him and embrace the life that he has for you right now. Just pray that wherever you're at. Jesus, do something new in our lives. Do something new in every one of us. The new, the new thing, Lord. The new thing, here we go. We're ready, we're hungry. We're hungry, God. Amen. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.